Welcome to Get A Move On, the podcast for movement lovers who are fed up with their injuries and want to enhance their all-round health. On this podcast, I'll help you change how you think about pain and illness so you can drop the frustration and move freely. I'm Amy, an osteopath turned yoga teacher and mindset coach. On this pod, I'll be talking about the joys of pain, injury and illness, the mind-body connection and how they relate to our movement practice so you can get a move on. Hey everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Get A Move On with Amy Slevin. I'm Jamie and as always I'm helping to co-host the podcast. This week we're talking about the importance of doing exercise that you like. And just before I introduce Amy, I want to take everyone back to PE lessons at school. Now this is almost a universally terrifying prospect that invokes some kind of middle school fear. And that I think is the context for today's episode as to why that was such an upsetting process for so many people. So with that context very briefly set, Amy, hey, how's it going? Morning, morning. I'm all right. How are you? I'm not too bad. Good. It's funny, when we spoke about the title of today's episode, which was the importance of doing exercise that you like, I was taken back very vividly to swimming at my pre-prep school. Because you love it. (laughs) Because I hated it. (laughs) And it was funny, swimming used to happen on a Thursday morning. And I used to consider the end of the week, Thursday lunchtime. Because it was such a traumatic exercise. What, that they would like, let you stay home from school on Friday? No, no. It was just so much easier comparatively that I just thought, <laughs> okay. we're now done. Okay. And I think so many people are put off by sports and exercise by similar experiences. I think that is such a good point, actually. And I hadn't even thought about that. Because the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because yesterday I went to a dance class, like my first dance class in like forever. And it was so much fun. And I was like, oh my God, like, I love this. I can't believe I haven't done this for such a long time. So yeah, what you've just said, like about how people haven't enjoyed sport at school. And I guess also because that wasn't me so much, you know, I was always quite sporty, except I didn't love hockey. Like the options that you have at school are kind of a bit rubbish. Like if you're a boy who's not into football or rugby or cricket or cross country, what else is there? Or like if you're a girl who's not into hockey, netball, rounders, tennis, or the other things that they tend to offer at schools, like you're a bit fucked. I know. And it's so unfair in some ways because, you know, like the Olympics is on this week and there's literally like 11,000 athletes doing like 150 different events. Such a good point. Yeah. And like three of each of those are taught at school. And if you don't fit into those three out of those 150, well now like exercise and sport is just something you dismiss forever, basically. That's so true. And also like you just kind of aren't necessarily fully aware of the amazing options of things that might interest you, right? Or sometimes I think, you know, even though it's great that we have the Olympics that does show the variety and scope of the options, I guess sometimes because it's being played at such a high level, sometimes that can feel inaccessible to people like show jumping or gymnastics. All these things that look super cool, but you think, oh no, I can't do that because that, you know, what they're doing is so difficult looking. I totally agree. And the interesting detail here is that, you know, people are basically wired to move and basically everyone is bound to enjoy some form of movement. Apart from my father. Very possibly apart from your father. (laughs) But the reason I mention it is because you then look at the fact that there's hundreds of forms of movement many of which are the exact opposite of each other. And it feels slightly strange that half the country or more would say they don't like exercising. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's just for most people, they haven't found something that they enjoy. And they, as you say, quite rightly associate it with the negative experience that they had at school of like, I don't know if they still do this. In fact, I think it's highly unlikely that they still do. But like, there was a generation of people who were made to do their PE lesson in their pants because they forgot their PE kit. And so it's like a double punishment. And so they had this association of like, a really horrible experience. And why would they want to repeat that in later life? And the irony is adult sport is actually great because it's basically non-competitive when you do it socially and you can make lots of new friends Mm. outside work and school. Exactly. I went on a holiday to Mallorca a few years ago, in fact, right after I qualified as an osteopath. And I went on my Jack Jones and I didn't know anyone. Well, I knew one person, but like that one person was busy a lot of the time. And so I went to the yoga studio. I wouldn't say I made friends with the people at the yoga (laughs) studio, but like it was a place that I could go where I felt welcome And I could potentially make connections with people if I wanted to. And it's universal. It's not just exclusive to yoga. You know, any sport, any group activity, any group exercise has the capacity to do that. And there's also, you know, when you are doing group exercise, there is the accountability aspect. And I think that's the difference also, like with this class I did yesterday, and I noticed this, if I'd been doing that at home, even though it was like mega fun, there were some exercises that were just exhausting, like they were doing this thing, like with the arms out to the side or like arms up and out to the side. And I was just like, oh my God, my arms are going to fall off. It was so tiring. And if I'd been at home, I would have been like, fuck this. But because I was in the studio with a group of people who were all suffering together, having fun, having a laugh, feeling completely inept at times, you carry on and you bypass that sense of like, oh my God, I need to break, that you allow yourself to have when you're doing this at home. Yeah, it's weirdly the exact same mechanic as people who study on YouTube and then record the whole thing and upload it. And they're called study alongs. And the idea is someone will just upload a four hour video of them pottering along, opening books, doing a read, having typing. And you have it on at home. That sounds so boring. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not really a spectator <laughs> sport in some ways. It's more just to the point you made, which is you bypass the sense of, oh my God, this is so difficult. Yeah. Because there's kind of someone else you're doing it with. Wow. God, I didn't know that was a thing. So how do you characterize the importance of doing exercises you like, as opposed to ones you don't, if you want to exercise sustainably? Mm, Great question. When I did my pain and illness course at the beginning of the year, I had one girl on who had knee pain. She'd had knee pain for a long time. And we started doing the process. And actually, I was explaining about how, for example, when I had knee pain, in case everyone didn't know that already, I've had knee pain, it went away, but it occasionally rears its head when I'm doing something I don't really love. So if I go for a run, for example, which I don't often do, my knees start to hurt because I don't really like running. It's just my body trying to hold me accountable to be like, what are you doing? You don't enjoy this. (laughs) Do something different. And so then I have then changed. But anyway, so I said that in my course, which then triggered a thought process with this one girl who I'm going to call Jane. So Jane heard me say that and she was like, oh my God, I hate running too. And I go running all the time. And it's after I run that my knee hurts and it hurts while I'm running and after I'm running and it just perpetually hurts. And I hate running. And so she then was like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to give myself permission not to run. But then there was also the reason why she was running, which was her running was to offset her drinking and eating. 
which wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. She was a very slim girl. But she had had a perception of herself previously that she was fat. And she was trying to get rid of the fat person and be a more thin person. And the running was her way to do that except she didn't really love the running and so I've since spoken to her after the course after she then gave herself permission to stop running and be more accepting of her body as it is in all its forms in its fatter or thinner form and then she's now taken up netball and she's loving netball is it like a fun social activity? She's interacting with other people. There are boys and girls playing. You're running around. You're not really thinking about what you're doing. She's having a great time. It's social. She's interacting with people, which is something that she used to be doing with drinking and going out. So she's getting that kind of social aspect, doing something that's much more meaningful for her. They were talking to the girl who won the bronze medal for judo for the UK. And she said that the thing that inspired her to do judo was that her brother was going to the judo classes. She was going along as the little sister just to kind of sit in the corner and watch while he did his thing. And she was inspired to do judo just from watching. And then the parents enrolled her in the judo club. And she's now doing judo in the Olympics because she saw other people doing judo and she was inspired to do it so I think sometimes you can be inspired to do it like with parkour for example I definitely saw a video of people doing parkour together and I was like oh my god that looks so fun and that was the thing that inspired me same with dance but with like the school sports for example it was just because I had to and I didn't always love them and because you weren't interested in them what was the difference of experience you know, you'll be doing something that's like super inspiring for you, super exciting that you look forward to going to do instead of thinking, oh God, I have to go and do that. I have to go to the gym. I have to go for a run. Or, well, some people, you know, do think I really want to go for a run, but do they really? What happens between school when like cross country is like a chore and then going for a run as an adult and you're like, yes, this is my chosen form of exercise now. And that's why I think like running, for example, can become like a bit of a chore, which is why it's important to choose something that really floats your boat, whether it's swimming, shot put, karate, yoga. Once you find your thing that you really dig, then you will feel energized by it. You'll kind of have a smile on your face while you're doing it. (laughs) Not necessarily, but you'll have like an internal smile and you'll enjoy it while you're doing it rather than feeling at the end like oh thank god I've done that so it's in the process of the doing that you enjoy yeah I like that you mentioned chores because I saw this quote this week about exercise being really in its best form a celebration of what we can do as opposed to a punishment for eating too much Absolutely. And there's a real movement in that direction. There's this girl on Instagram. She, I think she's a personal trainer called Tally Rye. And she's a real kind of proponent for enjoying the exercise. It's not a punishment. And I think still a lot of people do not so much a punishment, but like a counterbalance for the excessive drinking, the excessive eating. Yeah, it's certainly the not fun yin to the yang of like living life in an interesting way. Very good point. And it's probably, and I know we've mentioned this a couple of times, like with most things, to do with how we grew up with it. Yeah. If exercise play dates were a thing or exercise birthdays and there was a range of exercise options, it's very likely that people would view exercise as a form of fun, which clearly lots of people do, but probably the majority don't. 
Do you think you've got any practical advice for people who are thinking, God, but like, really, trust me, I find it all intimidating and exhausting and there really isn't very much for me? One potential solution might literally just be, fuck it, don't do it. <laughs> like, just honour the fact that you don't dig it and that's cool. Or you can give yourself enough reason why. If you have enough reasons to do anything, as you and I have discussed before, you'll find the thing that you want to do and you'll find the how. So when the why is big enough, the how takes care of itself. So if you think, okay, whatever your situation is, so for example, I work with this older gentleman who's just turned 80 and he doesn't really like the exercises. In fact, I arrive at his house sometimes and he's like, oh God, you again. Oh God, when I know that you're about to arrive, I feel really depressed and I feel so happy after you've left. (laughs) I'm like, great. I do this exercise with him, a mental exercise. And I say, okay, why, why are you paying me this money to come and help you move? And then he's like, because I want to be independent, because I want to be able to put my socks on, because I want to be able to go to Saint-Tropez and dance on the tables. And I want to be able to interact with my grandchildren, all that kind of stuff. I'm helping him become conscious of the reasons why he wants to do the stuff that we're doing. I then make it playful, I make it relevant to what he wants. Yeah, and then all of a sudden an exercise that was previously miserable is miserable, but only in like a slightly joking way. So for example, like we might just stand in his living room and throw a ball at each other. Like we'll have a tennis ball and we'll literally just throw the ball at each other. And I make sure that as I'm throwing it, I make him move around. So he's not really thinking about moving around. If I roll it along the floor, he has to bend down to grab it or I kind of make him reach up high or out to the side so that we're interacting and it's fun and playful, but he's not really thinking about moving. Yeah, well, therein lies one of the other hacks, I think if the actual exercise and movement isn't for you, which is you can exercise without realizing you're exercising really. You know, I play football every week and I'm sort of not quite conscious that I'm running. I really struggle to go for a run. It's never something that's appealed. But in framing it in the context of something that you are interested in, or it's just on one level very obviously engaging, like there's a ball and there's communication and there's positional stuff and there's a score and there's a whole like narrative playing out. The exercise becomes a means to an end, but nonetheless, you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's potentially a really cool hack for people who aren't so into the thing. Precisely. Make it fun and playful. Like yesterday, you know, when I was in this dance class, I was sweating so much, probably more than I've sweated for a long time. And I was doing cardio and I was like, (gasps) a little bit, but I wasn't fully conscious of it because I'm focusing on the movements that I'm trying to do. And I'm focusing on like the music and it's fun and all of that jazz rather than, oh my God, my body is doing stuff. Yeah. And that point of attention isn't small because I spoke recently to Tim Minooks, who's a South African exercise guy. Tim made this point about marathon runners and hitting the wall, which is the psychological phenomenon, but also the physiological one of, oh my God, I just can't go anymore. And it's vaguely hallucinatory and people very often struggle to keep on standing up at that point. And he looked at the average distance that the wall came in. And lo and behold, two things came out. Number one, your body actually doesn't change when you hit the wall in all the relevant ways. You are exactly as you were a mile before or three miles before. And number two, the wall always happens sort of three quarters of the distance, no matter the distance, which basically is to say... If you set the target in your mind of, I need to run 26 miles, 
by 22 miles, you go, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, this is really near the end. And that point of attention leans you towards struggling more psychologically because you're only expecting to run X. Whereas when you double the distance, people only hit that on the 40-somethingth mile. And there's this idea that struggling in exercise psychologically is in part an evolutionary trick to protect you. It's going, whoa, we're now overdoing it. But it's interesting that that measure is so reactive to the intentions you set. So in the context of you dancing yesterday, because you weren't focusing and having an intention only to do X amount of work, that just didn't kick in. To be fair, I think it kind of did three quarters of the way through the class. I was then starting to feel a bit tired. And I was then thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, like, how much longer? And I think that was three quarters of the way through. But obviously, I was still having a good time and I was still doing my stuff. So I was a bit less focused on it. But I was still thinking a bit like, what other kind of like demanding things am I going to be requested to do? And that was also like the fun part, like not knowing what you're going to be doing, which some people really like and some people don't. It's really cool, though, that like towards the end of the session, you found, oh, God, when are we wrapping up? Or this is a little bit harder now or what's coming next? Whereas for the first half, you weren't. I often think about tasks that I love doing all the time, like tutoring. Mm. And if it's an hour session, I quite often tell myself it's two hours. And therefore, getting to the hour, it's like, okay, halfway, oh my God, we're finished. As opposed to saying it's an hour, at which case after 20 minutes, you're like, yes, we're a third of the way through, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because there's an ultimate sense of like, you settle into things, right? And you can adjust to almost anything, just as long as your expectation is that you are going to adjust to it and that you are here for a while. Whereas you only get restless, really, when there's an immediate expectation of departure. That's really true. And I think another thing to take into consideration also is that whatever you're doing, whether it's exercise or a job that you love or hanging out with your family or whatever it is that you really love doing, there are always going to be elements of it that you don't enjoy things that you find more laborious, things that you find more effort or whatever. And that's normal. And when it's something that you really are enjoying, those things are going to be less irritating or less off-putting than if you're doing something that you don't really enjoy doing. And there's a few relevant examples here. Whenever I think about this, I always think about jumping on buses and feeling carsick halfway up the country to watch a football match in the rain somewhere. I'm happy to put up with the car sick and the early morning and the 17 hour round trip, none of which are fun, right? Like legitimately, none of them are fun because there's some reward at the end. It's a fulfilling process for me. But all you need to do is trade out the team that I'm watching. Same sport, same context, same day. And there's no way I would be out of bed. All of a sudden, that bus ride is five times worse, despite being the same bus ride. So you're saying that if you're going to watch, I don't know, like Liverpool play... Everton, that I know that you don't support, then you'd be less inclined to do those things than if it's Wimbledon, which you do support. Yeah, totally. I'm just happy to eat less shit, basically, because it's not as big a value. You know, Liverpool, Everton, they're both in Liverpool. So I would love to go see a Merseyside derby and I'd be happy to put up with a little bit of shit, but I'd much rather go <laughs> up to watch Wimbledon play Tranmere, also in Liverpool. And if you asked me, how carsick I'm willing to be, how much money I'd be willing to pay, how early I'm willing to wake up. And you can run this calculus for yourself, right? With every given activity. Mm -hmm. You'll just find that you're more resilient when you care. I've got friends who go to the gym every day and there's no doubt the gym is a difficult process for them because they lift heavy weights. 
you induce muscle failure, you got to get there, you got to shower there, you have to figure it out, you pay some money. And they're happy to do it, even though it's kind of shit off the time in all those ways. The only condition in which I would be happy to go is if it was totally easy. <laughs> yeah, because it's not something that you enjoy. And because it's not high enough value for you. Yeah, because the thing about enjoying something is the more enjoyment you need to do it, the less meaningful it probably is to you. Yes, the more easy you'll want things, something to be. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how big an incentive do you need to do this thing? And people who are happy to be miserable doing what they're doing, I mean miserable tongue-in-cheek. I don't mean properly miserable, but I mean pretty low mood a lot of the time because it's difficult or stressful, but they're nonetheless happy to bite. Are the people that inevitably just stick with the thing forever. You know, I was watching Tom Daly win a gold medal, which was incredible because he's 27 and his first Olympics was when he was 15 or something. And it was an amazing story. And you think about how difficult it's been for him, how much disappointment there's been. His body, he's only 27, but his body is all battered by years of diving at heights. No way. Yeah, it really takes hmm. it out of you. And the fact that he's won is so meaningful in the context of the struggle, but there's no way you get through the struggle. Hmm. You stop after your third session if you don't care. And I think that's maybe one of the big lessons about why you need to do an exercise that is enjoyable or meaningful, because otherwise you'll just feel like you're jumping from one to another indefinitely. Yes. Enjoyable or meaningful, or you stack up enough reasons why it is meaningful and why it's going to benefit you. And it can't be like lofty or like intellectual reasons like, oh, it's good for my joints, it's good for my health. Like that is not specific enough to you. It has to be very specific to you, which is why I was saying about my client, you know, he wants to play with his grandchildren. He wants to put his socks on. Those things are really specific to him. I could say to him, yes, it's going to make you stronger. Like who cares? It's too vague for him. Cool. I'm going to be stronger. Like what for? But if this means you're going to be able to dance on the tables in Saint-Tropez, sold. And it's probably worth saying, like it requires some level of honesty to really ask yourself, why do I want to do this thing? Especially with exercise, some of the reasons I think we can be judgmental of. So there's a typical, I want to go to the gym so I can have a better body. And we can sometimes interpret that as vainness in ourselves. I think that's a legit reason. Of course. But it depends how far you're taking it. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess the wider point I'm making is that it does require when you ask yourself, well, why am I interested in this? To be really honest, because the more vivid those links are, the more exciting the exercise is, or at least the more meaningful the outcome and therefore the more shit you can put up with, which is why having run that exercise with your clients, you still are being paid to go around, even though he says, I'm depressed when you arrive and happy when you leave. <laughs> I know, what a dick. <laughs> Sometimes when you do ask yourself, okay, so what is this going to give me? Okay, cool. And then what is that going to give me? cool and you keep asking yourself that question sometimes not every time but sometimes it either helps give you clarity and certainty on what you're going to be doing or it can actually make you realize there's like a difference between the want and the need so what I want is the buff body what I need is connection with a boyfriend or attention from girls or whatever it is and then okay so what is that attention going to get you do you keep kind of looking and going down that rabbit hole until you get to a point where you're like okay so the truth is I just want whatever it is which could be like a connection with human beings you know whatever and you think okay well is going to the gym and lifting weights the only way of doing that 
or are there other ways of doing that? And then you almost offload an obligation and you can give yourself permission to seek an alternate route to that particular destination. It can help you just figure out specifically what you want to achieve. And sometimes it's not really a buff body. It's something different. And then you can kind of either let that thing go, which then liberates you to actually be more authentic to yourself. Or you can be like, yeah, I'm so okay with having a buff body and achieving the other thing, which is the connection, the attention, whatever. Whatever you're doing, you kind of want to do it for yourself also rather than other people and for the sake of other people's perceptions of you. Yeah, and it goes to show you that negative perceptions of yourself, I am too fat, I am too X, I am too Y, I am too Z, can lead you to behaving in ways that aren't actually aligned, that aren't fulfilling, but rather are kind of solutions to a perceived problem. Yeah. Cool, Ames. Well, listen, do you want to just sum up the importance of moving in the way that you like? Yeah. So when you do something that you are enjoying, then it doesn't feel like a chore. It feels effortless, relatively. And it doesn't feel sustainable. It will become sustainable. And then you'll want to do it for however long you do it. And that might even change. And that's cool. Like as you get older, it might change. It might become different. Who cares? Like whatever you're inspired to do at the time, I guess. Brilliant. Well, Amy, thank you for today. And everyone's home. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Get to Move On with Amy Slevin. Cool. Thank you. That was Get to Move On with Amy Slevin. If you enjoyed that, we'll be back next week with a slightly different topic. And if you didn't enjoy that, we'll be back next week with a slightly different topic. Thanks for listening.